Good morning. Um, I, as your pastor, I always see our church as a mission church. Let me define what that means. That means we are missionaries. As a church, we're missionaries. We're always reaching out. We're always trying to find people who are hurting. We're always trying to find people who don't know Jesus. We're always trying to find a way to reach them and bring them in and make them feel like they're a part. That's a mission church. A lot of churches are chapels. All the Christians come together and we all do our thing. But there's no emphasis whatsoever in reaching out. We are a mission church. As long as I'm around, our church will be a mission church. We'll be reaching out. So... The key message, if we're going to be a mission church, reaching people who are not Christians, is grace. Come on. You understand what grace means? Unmerited favor. Giving people favor that they don't deserve. Unmerited. People who have messed up, people who have failed big time, we reach out and put our arms around them because their past is not their future. And we're focused on their future. We're not focused on their past. We're focused on where people are going, not where they've been. Amen. So we are all pilgrims and strangers down here on this planet. We're just passing through. This is not our home. One of these days, we're all going to die, leave this home, and go on to the next one. So this is not our home. Don't get too attached to it because we're all leaving it sooner or later. For some of us, you can tell by the hair, it's going to be sooner than later. Others of us have a long time to go. You don't want to waste the moment. So there's two things we can do with this Christianity that we have. The first thing is we can sit at our ease, sit back, thank God for the blessings we have, how wonderful life is that we're going to heaven someday, isn't this great? Sit back and do nothing for the kingdom. That's the first thing we can do. The other is to rush impatiently into what we think God's directing us to do before he's prepared the way. I've been in both places. I've learned it's not wise to rush ahead. It's wise to wait on God and respond to him. I was saying something to someone uh, the other day about our, about our church and our church growth and how we got to where we are. We didn't do anything because we had a strategic plan. We did everything we've done along the journey because we didn't have a choice. We outgrew our facility. We couldn't expand. We had to start over again. We had to, we had to grow because God gave us growth. He forced us into doing some things. And I think that's wise for every one of our lives. We need to stop running ahead because we have a strategic plan. That's the world's way of thinking. We need to respond to the open doors God sets before us and let God give the growth in your life and mine. Those things said, we're starting a series this morning that we're going to be doing for the next several weeks called The Place of Grace where we are looking at stories of grace and how God stepped through into people's lives But our emphasis is on the place where the grace was manifest. And today I want to talk about the first place is in the wilderness. And unless I miss my guess, 
There's probably a, a, a few of us in this room today that are wandering in a wilderness experience. Wilderness is where you haven't been before. Wilderness is where nobody has paved the way. Nobody's blazed the trail. You're in the wilderness. You're lost. You have to find your way. And you're in this wilderness and you're struggling with it. That's where grace shows up, you know, when you're at the end of your rope. That's right. So Deuteronomy chapter 2 is where we're going to be. This is where we find the story. If you can find Deuteronomy in the Bible, you've probably been in the Bible a while. Because it's not the most common place to turn to. Deuteronomy chapter 2. Israel has been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. And God is just about to turn the corner. He's just about to bring a change in their life. We're going to read about that change and apply the things we learn to our lives today. So let's read through this story first. And then we'll come back and unpack it. Verse 1. Then we turned back and set out toward the wilderness along the route to the Red Sea, as the Lord had directed me. For a long time we made our way around the hill country of Seir. Then the Lord said to me, You have made your way around this hill country long enough. Now turn north. Give the people these orders. You are about to pass through the territory of your relatives, the descendants of Esau, who live in Seir. They will be afraid of you, but be very careful. Do not provoke them to war, for I will not give you any of their land, not even enough to put your foot on. I have given Esau the hill country of Seir as his own. You are to pay them in silver for the food you eat and the water you drink. The Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hands. He has watched over your journey through the vast wilderness. These 40 years the Lord your God has been with you. And you have not lacked anything. This is what God has to say to Israel. I let this lay too long. Come on, don't do that to me. (laughs) Calm down. You know, this is what we need to do when we find ourselves in a storm. Calm down. Because if you don't calm down, you rush ahead before the Lord's prepared a way. Here's the first. I want to point out some phrases we get from this story. The first one is in verse 1. It's the long time. You've been in this wilderness, roaming around, going around this mountain, this hill country, around and around and around, a long time. Even God knows 40 years is a long time. 40 years. 40 years ago. Do you remember 40 years ago? A lot of you don't because you're not 40 years old. But I do. It was 1941. I'm sorry, 1981. (laughs) That's what happens when you confuse 40 years with, you know. 1981. Our church was in its first year of existence in the little building down here. Ronald Reagan had just been elected as the new president of the United States. 
The first recognized cases of AIDS were diagnosed here in our country. And Prince Charles and Lady Diana got married in the United Kingdom. That's 40 years ago. How many will agree that's a long time? That's a long time. 40 years they've been wandering through the wilderness because God gave them a promise. I'm speaking to people today that believe God gave you a promise and you've been walking in the wilderness not anywhere near your promise for a long time. I want you to know God's about to change some things. He wants us to know that. In John chapter 5, verse 6, there's a story of Jesus going to Jerusalem, and he goes to a place called the Pool of Bethesda, place of healing. And there's a large crowd of people gathered around there, and Jesus looked out over that, and he saw all those people gathered around the pool, all waiting for an angel to come and stir the water. And the Bible says, I'm reading from John 5, 6, when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Simple question. Calls for a yes or no answer. But he came off on this song and dance about how everybody's one step ahead of him. He's a victim. He's a victim. There's always somebody ahead of him. Always somebody beats him. He can't, he can't receive from God because somebody's always one step ahead of him. Have you ever felt that? That there's always somebody else one step ahead of you? But notice this. It says, for 40 years we've been wandering around this wilderness. 40 years. As the Lord directed me. Don't miss that. As the Lord directed me, Moses, frustrated that he can't get the people to where God called him to go, says, God's been directing me around this circle. You need to know that if you've given your life to Jesus Christ from the moment you did that, God's been directing some things in your life. More likely than not, it's going around and around. Same old, same old. We think, if we just do this, we're going to have a better marriage. If we just do this, we'll have a better job. But we keep going around the same circle, doing things the same way, expecting a different result this time, putting all our faith in God. And the fact of the matter is, as long as you keep doing the same thing over and over again, you're going to get the same thing over and over again. You got to do something different. Time to change direction. Long time. The second phrase I want us to see is in verses 2 through the first part of verse 3, where he says, you've been wandering around here long enough. That's the second phrase if you like to take notes. You've been here long enough. God knows our frustration. Did you know that? God understands your pain. He understands your confusion. And he's the only hope you got. So we've got to get our focus on him. The King James Version says, You have compassed this mountain long enough. Come on. Actually, it's talking about a mountain range. That's why the NIV translates it, the hill country, where there's nothing. There's no economy. There's no blessing. There's nothing to, to offer. And we've been going around and around and around for 40 years. And some of us in this room have been going around and around and around, and you're ready for a breakout. You're ready for something to change. Come on. God wants us to change some things. Yes. 
You see, that mountain was only for a season. That mountain was not their destiny. That mountain was not where God intended them to go. It was just for a season. And you need to know your mountain, that hill country that you're going around and around is not your destination. It's not your destiny. It's for a season. Because that's where we learn submission to God. Around the mountain. Can we put that map up, Don? Here's a, here's a map. Mount Seir. This is Mount Seir. There's a mountain range right around here, way down here in the south. This is Israel up here, where it is today. And this is Mount Seir. They've been going around and around and around this mountain. Egypt's over here. They crossed the Red Sea, came across here, wandered around here for 40 years. There's nothing there. There's no hope there. But this is where they've been for all this time. And God says, it's long enough. It's great to be saved. Born again. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Grabbing a hold of the promises of God. But if we just stay right there and run around and around in circles with I'm saved and going to heaven, isn't God good? But we never accomplish anything for him. We never break out of the pattern of running around the, in the hill country, running around this mountain one more time. God finally looks and says, hey, guys, you've been going around this long enough. It's time to break out of this cycle. I feel impressed to say this morning there's some of us in this room that you've been in this crazy cycle in your marriage and it goes around and around, and you, 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 you move in toward fixing it, and blows up in your face. And you turn around, try to fix it again, blows up in your face. Try to fix it again, blows up in your face. God is saying, it's time to break out of the crazy cycle. It's time to move on in a different way. It's time to do something different in your, in your relationship. Philippians chapter 3, verse 14 says, I press on toward the goal... To win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I press toward the goal. I press toward the goal. I'm not comfortable staying here. I have to press toward the goal. I'm not talking about where I'm stuck in this cycle. I'm talking about breaking out of this cycle. And I'm talking about pressing on toward the heavenward call. What happens on this earth down here is secondary. This is not primary. What happens down here is secondary. The primary is what happens when I get to heaven. You know, 40 years is a long time down here, but eternity is a whole lot longer than that. And your soul is eternal. It's going to live forever, either in hell or heaven. And if you're going to spend eternity in heaven, you might as well make some investments up there. You know what I'm talking about? When you get to heaven, you, there's, there's things that we can take with us. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, Jesus says. What does that mean? There's some things we can send on ahead. Yes. Think about that. Come on. Now, let, let's go to the third phrase I want us to see. It's in, it's in the middle of verse 3. Now turn north. He gives them a specific direction. 
Verse 1 says they turned back and they were headed on the route to the Red Sea. Isn't that where they just came from? Round and round and round. God says, you've been doing this long enough. Now turn north. North. Interesting. Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 6 says, The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. The wind is a picture of the Holy Spirit. You don't know where it's coming from. You don't know where it's going. But if you look around, you see it's going around and around, changing directions. He says, now turn north. A specific direction, a specific goal. Now, we all have GPS on our phones. We're not going to get lost. But back in the olden times, when everything looked the same and you had no point of reference, people could get lost. So they learned to identify the North Star. All the other stars in the heavens would, would cycle around, or should I say the earth would cycle around all the other stars, but there's one polar where everything moves around it, and that's the North Star. If you know where the North Star is, you always know which way you're going. You can always identify it. He says, turn to the north. Don, could we put that map back up here? This is Mount Seir down here, and he says, now turn north. What's north? Well, first, there's the Edomites. This is the country of Edom. They got to go through the Edomite territory. And if they keep going, they got to go through these other territories. And guess what's north? Jerusalem, the capital of Israel. He's saying, Jerusalem is, is almost nothing up there. It's, it's this little village up there. But I'm going to make that the capital of my kingdom. Now turn north. And I'm reminded of Jesus traveling around the land of Israel. And he went this way and he went that way and he went to small towns and big towns. But there was a point in his life where it says he turned his face, he set his face toward Jerusalem. Set his face there. And it made everybody upset because they could tell he set his face there. Now that doesn't set his face there doesn't just mean he turned that direction and looked. It means everything he did was in that direction. What direction are you headed? What's your goal? What what have you set out there as what you want to accomplish with your life? Now turn north. It's the first direction, real direction that they had had. And we need to set our face toward that goal. Here's the fourth phrase. It's in verses 4 and 5, if you remember reading about it. He says, I'm going to send you through the land of the Edomites. Those are the descendants of Esau. They're descendants of Isaac, the twin brother of Esau. God says, I'm going to send you through that land. But do not provoke them. Because I'm not giving you one square inch of their territory. I've given it to them. And I'm thinking, as a Christian... How many times have I been jealous of what God has given somebody else? 
I wanted that. That's a sin. You know, jealousy is a sin. Did you know that? It's an attitude. Quit wishing you had what somebody else had. Get your eyes off somebody else's success. This is between you and God. You build a relationship with God. You make yourself vulnerable to God. You allow God to move in your life, and it's amazing what he'll do. But you have to give up control. Oh, that's what we really hate, isn't it? We, we all, every one of us, without exception in this room, we all want to be in control. But a Christian is one who surrenders his rights on behalf of someone else. I was thinking this morning as I, as I walked into the sanctuary, didn't have a mask on, you know, because I've been vaccinated and most of you have. And I, can't, I came in, but I had a mask in my hand. You know why? Because it's never about my rights as a Christian. It's always about others. Come on. What's safe for others. If I see somebody with a mask on, I put a mask on. I shift to what someone else's preferences are. Not about our rights. The King James Version says, meddle. Do not meddle with them. Come on. Meddle. God doesn't give you what he gives another. So never be jealous of what another has. Esau represents people outside the covenant. It's the people that we, we work with, live next to, your neighbors. You know, those people that think they're Christians because they're an American. They don't have any relationship with Jesus Christ. That means they're not a Christian. Christianity is a very narrowly defined thing. You have to have, Jesus said it like this, you must be born again. Just because you're a conservative doesn't mean you are a Christian. He says, do not give him any trouble. Listen, that, that, that's pretty good advice. If you want to win people over, don't give them trouble. If you want to win the other side of America over, don't get on Facebook and cause a bunch of trouble for them because that's not winning them over. There's a way to do this and there's a way to not do it. Don't, the NIV says, don't provoke them because I've not given you their territory. We live on planet Earth, but we're all visiting through. We're just passing through it. One of these days, we're all going to stand before the judge and give account of what we did with what we knew. He says, they'll be afraid of you. Have you ever thought that the non-Christians out there are afraid of us Christians because they're afraid we're somehow going to infringe on their rights? So don't provoke them. Befriend them. Be the good guy. Help them out. Say something positive while you travel through their land. And notice, I I thought it was interesting. He says, buy food and water from them and pay cash. Did you catch that? Do business with them. Do business with them. We live in what I consider a post-Christian culture. We don't live in a Christian country. People think they're Christians. They don't know what Christianity is post-Christian, but he says, do business with them, interact with them, and don't provoke them. 
while you're traveling through. Because you will get through. Because yes. I'm taking you someplace. Mm-hmm. He's taking us God. home. Which takes us to the fifth thing I want us to see, which isn't really a phrase. It's a series of phrases there in verses, uh, verse 7. I want to read this again because we're going to talk about it. The Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hands. That's the past. He's done it. He has watched over your journey through this vast wilderness. These 40 years the Lord your God has been with you, and you have not lacked anything. He just gave us four things right here that God has done for them. He says, your God has blessed you. That's acceptance. He doesn't bless everybody on the planet. He shows favor and blesses his people, his children. I want to be a child of God. I want his blessing in my life. I want his favor in my life. I've had enough bad luck in my life. I want some good luck. And the only way I'm going to have good luck is if I get God on my side because he's the one who arranges the luck factor. Here's the second thing. He has watched over you. Had his eye on me. Never took his eye off. I got time. I'll tell this story. I was a little boy. One of my earliest remembrances my mom and dad went Christmas shopping at the local five and dime store and they took us kids with them. I was the oldest in my family so my mom had her hands full watching the little ones and they let me wander off probably because they were doing Christmas shopping. Wanted to get rid of me. So I found the toy section and you know a five and dime they got a bunch of knickknacks, cheap stuff in there and I was, I was captivated by everything that I wanted and they had this little island of with uh, boxes, little bins, toys, and I went work my way around and around. I was fascinated. And I remember my sister coming to me and saying, we're ready to go. She came back a little bit later and said, Dad says we're ready to go. And I said, I'll be there in just a minute. I kept dilly-dallying because I was fascinated with all these toys. And finally I decided, I, looked, I remember looking up the front and they, I couldn't see anybody. And I thought, I better go. So I took off up to the front, and I didn't see anybody. They were gone. I run back to the back, checked around. They were gone again. Run back to the front, terrified. I was just a little guy. I looked out the front window, and there was my dad outside the front window looking in. (laughs) Saw his face. Never took his eye off me. He let me feel like I was all alone. Filled me with terror, but he never took his eyes off me. Had his eyes on me the whole time. That's what a, a, a heavenly, your heavenly father does. Yes. may feel like he's abandoned you, forgotten all about you, but he never takes his eyes off you. The third thing to remember is your God has been with you. That's abiding. He's blessed you. That's acceptance. He's, he's, he's watched over you. That's awareness. Your God has been with you. That's abiding. He's always been right by your side. I don't see him. Why does God let me go through these things? Because you're in the wilderness, man. This is what wilderness, this is what happens in the wilderness. Life on this earth is a wilderness, but we're heading toward the promised land. And I've turned my face toward Jerusalem. I want you to do the same thing. 
And then the fourth thing, he says, you have not lacked anything. That's abundance. We watch TV, so we want everything we see on TV. We want everything we see these Hollywood studios presenting for us as normal lifestyle. We want all this. But God says, I've taken care of you. You haven't needed anything. Wanted some things you don't have? Probably so. But why did we really want that in the first place? Abundance. So I'm going to kind of wrap this up by simply saying, are you ready for a new direction? Yes. You happy where you are? If you're happy with your life, I don't want to change it. Stay right there if you're happy with it. But if you know there's something unhappy, there's something missing, there's something hollow on the inside of you, change your direction. Going around this crazy cycle one more time isn't going to get you anything but what you've already gotten. Change directions. Get your eyes on Jerusalem. Get your eyes on heaven. God's got a better plan for you. He really does. I don't want to change it if you're happy. But if you know there's something missing, I really want to change you. I really want to tell you there's hope out there. There's a new direction. So let me, let me close this way. If you know in your life you're running in circles and you don't want that anymore, you're ready for a change, I'm going to ask you to stand right where you are right now. Just let God know. I heard the message. I'm claiming the message. It's for me. Now's the time. Thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you. Sooner or later, you see, we have to make this decision. It's tough because it's, it's humbling. We have to admit we've made mistakes and we're not where we should be. But we're opening a door to God to move in our lives, to do something different as we wander through this wilderness. All of you that are standing, say this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, say it out loud. Heavenly Father, I believe in you. I believe in your son, Jesus. I ask you to forgive me for my sin. It's been standing in the way between me and you. Send your Holy Spirit inside of me so that I can serve you better. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Let's all stand. Let's all stand together because we're all in this together. We're all on the journey. We're all headed toward heaven. Amen. And we want to be victorious while we're on the journey. So we're going to sing one more song. And it's really a, it's a prayer of dedication. What we're saying is I'm going to run to the Father. I'm, you know, it's, I can stand around and wait for him to run to me. But that's probably not going to happen. He speaks in a still, small voice. The one that needs to do the running is us. So let's kind of make this our prayer as we worship the Lord.